God's word that guides us is a bit unique today. Uh, normally, in, in the letters, in the New Testament letters, also known as the epistles, there's usually an address or a greeting, and then there's a closing. Like we might close a letter and say, sincerely yours, or um, hey, greet, greet your family for me, we'll see you next time, and sign our name off. Uh, normally, those portions of Scripture don't come up as sermon texts to preach on, but because we're preaching on 2nd and 3rd John, which are short books of the Bible, we're covering the entire territory in each of those short little books, and so we felt compelled as your pastors that we needed to preach on the closing words of each of the the small, short letters of 2nd and 3rd John. So I'm going to read those for you now. There's just two verses at the end of 2nd John and two verses at the end of 3rd John, Interestingly, they're going to sound similar, and they have uh, some parallels to them they're going to preach on in a minute. So here's the end of 2 John, verses 12 and 13. John writes this to to the people in the church that he's writing to. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, Send their greetings. And then here's the end of 3 John, verses 13 and 14. John writes, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here, send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to show you a picture here of a group of friends, and you tell me what the problem is with this picture. Uh, You and I are in this picture, and you and I can at times tend to be part of the problem, but you and I also can be part of the solution, right? So what's the problem? The problem is these friends have agreed that they're going to spend an evening together, and what they, what they intend by that and what they mean to that is they're going to express their friendship to one another. They're going to talk to each other. Gonna, they're going to listen to each other. Do you see that happening in this picture? That's the problem. Well, actually, that's not the problem. When we think that's the problem, we haven't correctly contemplated or defined what friendship is. And that's one of the things that I want to do today is to, is to go there and realize uh, one of the commodities of our information age and of our social media age is attention. Information is no longer a commodity. Information is everywhere. Attention is a commodity. And therefore, what's lacking in that picture isn't f- people to hang out with, it's attention, and the attention is focused not on friends, not on eye to eye, not what they said they were going to do to spend the evening together, but on some friends out there in cyberspace somewhere else as they're looking at phones. And so while the three of them, right, the four of them, but, but three to one and one to three are looking at their phones, here's what they're thinking. I'm being a good friend. This is Okay for me to be doing, especially because everyone else is doing it. And here's the real problem. We think we are better friends than we really are. That is the problem. 
we, uh, there's this new normalcy all around us in our culture, all around us, that is really redefining friendship. And if we don't stop and step back and ask, what is the biblical definition of friendship? What does God say about friends? Because he made us as human beings, and Jesus is our best friend. We're going to just slide right into the ditch with that culture, and, and, and there's this new normalcy that we, we won't be aware that it's not good. So, there's a difference between commenting on Facebook and a personal conversation. Facebook is not evil. Facebook is not bad. We use it in our ministry. We're going to use it today. I'm going to ask you to check in after the sermon on Facebook. It's not, Facebook, neither good nor evil. It just depends how you use it. But what I want to do today is help us to think about how we use it and to think about what friendship looks like in an age of social media. And commenting on Facebook, even if it's a good comment, even if it's a, a, a legitimate and loving and kind and friendly, is not the same as a committed relationship in person with that friend. Uh, experts are, are talking now about uh, all the ab abbreviations, uh, LOL, right? All the abbreviations that I can use in texting and communicating. Great, it saves time, it's convenient, and that's part of the benefit and also part of the problem because our friendships then start to become based on convenience. And it used to be I would remember my friend's birthday and I would send him a birthday card and now Facebook just does it for me. I love friendships like that. That's kind of the approach that we've be, it's become so convenient that this is convenient, it's convenience over commitment. And then the real issue is that during it all, we think we're being better friends than we really are. I got a perfect example of this. I do this every year, and every year I do this at Christmas time, I just feel not right. I write the Lindemann family Christmas letter, and then I push it out to about 95 households. You get it, uh, former Church members get it, friends get it, family gets it, and every time I send that, I'm like, this is, this is wrong. I should be personally greeting all 95 of these people, personally giving them a Christmas gift, personally showing up the door. Well, I, you know, I, I can't do that. And so the, the Christmas update is the thing that just gets generically sent to everybody um, I think there's a place for that. I think there's a place for, for Facebook, for, for multimedia, but it shouldn't replace or, or help us think that we are being the kind of friends in a committed way that friendship really needs. So this, uh, this misinformation in our age, the myths about friendship, uh, we are going to directly address that today, and we're going to address that with the Bible's truths about friendship. We're going to contemplate what friendship really is. We're going to celebrate the deep friendships that God has already given to us as gifts to each of us in that relationship. And then we want to do the hard work. And it's not convenient. It's commitment and we want to cultivate depth and meaning and fulfillment in the friendships that we have and in a specific limited amount of friendships 
and we're going to talk about that going forward. That's the goal for today and for the sermon today. We're going to expose the world's way of looking at friends, look at the Bible's way of looking at friends, and ultimately, we're going to rejoice because it comes from our ultimate best friend, Jesus, who's a friend of us all. All right, let's go to Second and Third John. The Apostle John is the pastor to, to these churches in the first century, and, uh, and he's writing to them now, and, he's, and he brings up the topic of friendship. For, for John and for the people, it wasn't as much a, uh, a quantity issue as it's becoming for us. How many friends should I have? How many friends can I handle? How many friends can I be a friend to? It was a bit more of a quality issue. Who is my friend? And there were traveling Bible teachers going from this church to that church where John was pastoring these churches, and the traveling Bible teachers were not teaching Bible truth. They were, they were leading people away from Jesus. You heard last week, John refers to them as antichrists. They were preaching against Christ, taking people away from Christ. And so, John has to write to the people and say, these are not your friends. They may have white, shiny teeth and slick hair and wear a nice suit and have an awesome website and, and preach in a dome somewhere and be on TV, and, and, but that doesn't make them your friend. No, you, these are not your friends. These, your fellow believers, these are your friends. And so John writes, you have the friends here send greetings to friends there. He's saying, we, we are friends but we're not friends with those traveling false teachers. So that's, that's what really brings up the topic of friendship. And then John puts himself into that by being friends even with the people that he's serving. And so he says this, verses 12 and verse 14, John himself says, I hope to visit you, to see you soon, he says, and talk with you face to face. Sometimes emailing doesn't work. Sometimes texting isn't a good idea. Sometimes Facebook is not the same as a deep, committed friendship. It's all media, right? The, a, a medium is between you and me. If I need to use pen and ink to write you a letter, then, then the letter is the medium. If I need to text you, then the texting, that, that phone and that, that connection, that's the medium. If I communicate on Facebook, Facebook is the medium, and all of it together is media. It's all in the middle. It's all in between. The goal is that it doesn't get in the way. So John is saying, pen and ink, if, if, if I write this in a letter, that's going to get in the way. There's a place to do it, but not here. Right? You've picked up the phone sometimes and thought, I can't email this person about this. We need to talk personally. Maybe you've even gone over to someone's house to say, we, like, we can't talk on the phone. We need to see each other. So that's what John says. We need to see each other face to face. And so what's the solution? The solution to that first picture is this picture. The solution is don't let the medium get in the way. Don't let media be something that it doesn't need to be and even doesn't want to be. Face to face. 
that, here's something really cool. I didn't know this before. Uh, this is interesting. The original Greek language in that phrase face-to-face, literally, it says mouth-to-mouth. That's the literal Greek, right? we've, we've made it our own idiom in our language, and it works, but that just gives you a bit more of the picture. We need to be so close that I need to be able to see the broccoli in your teeth, right? We need to be so close that, that we're going to be talking, and you're going to spit, and it's going to land on my face. Good. That's, that's, the, that's what John's expressing. This, nothing else is going to work here. Facebook won't work. Texting won't work. Letter won't work. We need to be so close I can smell your bad breath. And that's okay. You're still my friend. That's, that's the closeness, that, that mouth-to-mouth, that expression. So look at it this way. Um, how many people in your life, this is, this, as, as I get you thinking about how many close, deep friends you really have, Here's one, one criteria. You're chewing gum. You take it out, and you, you offer it to a person, and you say, here, chew on this. Uh, really, it's important to me, please. How many people would do that? Outside of your family, how many people would do that if you just walked up to them? and Those people are contenders for your closest friends. Mouth to mouth. So, here's one way to address the problem that you saw in the first picture uh, that we're in, too, of, of the medium getting in the way and of us thinking that we're better friends than we are. Thinking that we are more capable of more friendships than we can really handle thinking that we can multitask our way through life with multiple meaningful relationships. It is not true. So here's one solution to that. We have to focus on a, on a smaller number of deeper friends. And that's a quantity-quality issue, a smaller number of deeper friends. Guess what? Guess who did that? My best friend did that. Jesus did that. How many close friends did Jesus have? Say it. Twelve disciples, right? Jesus had other followers. Mary, Martha, Lazarus. Okay, he had other women followed him. Uh, not a problem. They can be his followers. But Jesus had a small group of close friends. And, that, and then within the group of twelve... He had the core group of who? Say them out loud. James, John, and Peter. Right? Went with him up the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, Went with him in Gethsemane. They went with him at specific times. And so Jesus did this. It's okay to do this. It's okay to, to limit a deeper friendship to a smaller group of friends. Psychologists and sociologists say we need to do that because it's all we can handle and we shouldn't kid ourselves thinking that we can handle more. So, here's, when, here's where John now goes with this and where I want to go too. I gave you a criteria before about who your closest friends could be if they would eat your piece of gum, right? That gum can also represent something. That gum, gum can represent God's truth. And there are people that you share 
the gum of God's truth with and say, I'll, I'll take that. And, and those people are your Christian friends. And there's, it, friendship is always an affinity of some kind, a, a, a commonality of some kind. Right? You go, you attend a quilting group and you become friends with ladies because they, they quilt and you quilt and you both like it. You live in the same cul-de-sac with a bunch of neighbors and you just hang out with each other and your affinity, your commonality is that you, you live there, you're doing life together, right next to each other, side by side. You, uh, right, you, th- th- there's always a bond of some, some kind of a friendship where you say, oh, me too. That's friendship, right? There are people that aren't as close to you because they don't share, th- that's okay. The strongest bond is not that you're an Aggie or a Dallas Cowboy fan is not living on the same cul-de-sac some of these are good and strong is not that you've even been to war and been through life and death battles with your brothers in arms is not that someone has donated to you their kidney Strong bonds. There is a stronger bond than all those put together, and that's the gum of God's truth. God's truth lasts forever. God's truth never fails. God's truth is the, Jesus talks about it as the rock, the foundation that you build your house on, and so your Christian friendships are stronger and closer than any other friendships that you have. Therefore, celebrate them, contemplate them, and uh, cultivate them. Um, Christian friends are close enough to be these these face-to-face intimacy um, with us. Or you might say faith-to-faith, describing Christian friendship. John writes this, "Um, I have much to write to you. And he says, the children of your sister, so he's talking about these Christian friends, the children of your sister who is chosen by God, send their greetings. Um, Two things there. One, John says, we have much. As Christian friends, this church to this church, there's much between us. I have much to share with you. That's God's truth. That's God's word. There's so much that binds us as Christian friends. And then he says, the your friends, he calls them sister. Um, that's that's this. We might say sometimes our sister congregation or a sister synod. That's the point. We're so close to them. I, they're not. I, I'm a Houston fan, and they're a Dallas fan. I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, and they're a Mavericks. Right? I, they don't live in my cul-de-sac. They, they, I'm white. They're black. Okay, differences, but. They believe the same thing. We, we share the gum of God's truth, and it sticks us together. It binds us together. And so I call them a name that I may not call most of my other friends. It's a sibling name. It's a family name. I say, brother, sister. That's the term John has here, meaning you're so close, you're like family. There's such a strong bond between Christian friends. Uh, now a warning. I have a warning, and then I'm going to end with an encouragement. Here's the warning. Don't let 
friends, even Christian friends, get in the way of Jesus, who is our best friend. Let's be very careful there that we don't do that. Uh, And here's how that happens. We can ask and expect our friends to do for us what only Jesus can do for us. And when we expect a a person in a relationship, and this can happen in a marriage, but it happens in friendships too, uh, when when we expect a person to do for us to be our savior, and then they don't do that for us, we are going to be extremely let down, disappointed, and filled with hopelessness and resentment and frustration and maybe even regret. And we're going to resent them for it, that they haven't given us what we want them to give us. And all the while, they can't. We've set them up for failure. We've set ourselves up for hopelessness and resentment and irritability, all because We didn't go to Jesus with that need. We went to someone other than Jesus with that need, and they couldn't deliver, no matter how hard they try. Be careful that you do not expect people to do for you, including close, good friends, including Christian friends, what only Jesus can do for you. Here's where Facebook is tricky. Here's where social media is very tricky. Um, I got an email. I'm not on LinkedIn. You can be. That's fine. I just try to limit my social media exposure, so I just decline everything. I'll sometimes get invitations from some of you to say, hey, you know, connect on LinkedIn, and I I don't. Don't take it personally. Um, But I got an email. I don't know why. I try to just keep shutting it down. And I I think I tried to join like way back at the seminary and now it keeps tracking me down. Um, So I got an email from LinkedIn. It said, there was one search for your name this week. I thought, oh, someone someone was searching for me. Uh, You're probably all going, man, you're lame. I get 12 searches a week or 49. But uh, it just, that right there. That reaction, that's where I need to be careful and you need to be careful about wanting and needing from others, and especially from our friends, affirmation and approval. How many likes does this sermon video get or views? Thank you for watching this online. Share it with your friends. I'd love to get more likes and more views. More than the other Holy Word pastors would be great. Thanks. Uh, how much do I need? How much do I need that? If there's zero views, zero likes, or if there's a hundred views, likes, or a thousands, or viral, how does that make me feel differently about myself? In this particular arena, the answer should be no differently. Now I get it talking about statistics and are we making an impact? That's a different story, but. Me feeling affirmed and approved and valuable and a worthwhile person. I'm a, when I attach my identity to how many likes my Facebook posts get, there's a problem. 
And we all tend to want to do that when I attach my identity to how many of my, my friends are going to hang out, how many wish me happy birthday on Facebook or elsewhere, how many I'm asking my friends to do for me what only Jesus can do. Why? They're not as good at it. They don't, they're not even close to doing for me what Jesus can do and has already done. Jesus has called you friend. Jesus says, I lay down my life for you, my friend. Have any of your Facebook friends done that? Jesus gave up his life so that he, he, all of your sins are forgiven. No person on this planet can, has the power and ability to do that. Jesus has given you an identity in your baptism where he, he calls you a child of God. And his resurrection means that you rise above all of sin's consequences and control in your life. And that you will live eternally. Jesus, your best friend, gives you these things. Why are you looking for it somewhere else? Be careful. Love your friends. Comment, like, share, post, but be careful of the why. And then point number two. When you're in this place... And, and believe me, this doesn't make social media any easier for you. I know it makes it more difficult. Good. I, I want us to be thinking about this. Uh, when I'm there and my friends aren't giving, I'm not looking to, to get from my friends what I get from Jesus, and I'm looking to Jesus to get from Jesus what I want for my life, and then I'm looking to my friends for friend things, they're going to know that Jesus is my best friend. And if you're on social media, I want to challenge you to make sure that all of your friends on social media know that Jesus is your best friend. I love it when I see you using social media for that and not just for dancing cat videos and pictures of your kids and checking into the, the movie or the dinner where you're eating. The good stuff. But I love it when people use social media to say, to show Jesus is my best friend. Uh, we, we equip you at Holy Word with easy access to material and content where you can do that. You can easily, it comes on your Facebook feed, we send it there. You can like and you can share material that, ha, that we produce as your church that has Jesus all over it. Do that more. Let it be known in social media that Jesus is your best friend and be careful of looking for, uh, for friends to give you what only Jesus can. Um, I want to talk now about some expectations and definitions for friendship. Uh, did you know that Aristotle labeled friendships as one of three different kinds of friendships? This is interesting. And he's, he's on the money here. Um, Aristotle had three different types of friendships. One of them was called pleasure friendship. Pleasure friendship is uh, just having fun with the guys, um, hanging out with the ladies. Uh, you're, you're, the, you're, just, you're having a good time. You're experiencing pleasure because you're, it's just, it's a, you, you like hanging out with, with that person or those people. It's a good time. You get together. That's great. That's good friendship. 
Another friendship that Aristotle says is advantage friendship. This is more of an economic relationship. This is oftentimes a business relationship, though the two can be in there somewhere, but an advantage relationship is uh, friends with benefits. I'm your friend because you give me something. I'm your friend because I need something and you have it and, and you give it to me, right? Oftentimes there's a business relationship, it's an economic relationship, that's the advantage friendship. Uh, and then the third is a virtue friendship, Aristotle says. Virtue friendship is a friendship where the, the relationship is more than, than the parts of the relationship. So if there's two people who are friends, what's most important to those individuals isn't me, isn't either the individuals, but the relationship is most important. We want marriage to be like that. This is what uh, friendship can be, have that capacity too, according to Aristotle. So virtue friendships. Let's be honest here. We all see virtue friendships and say, yeah, that's where, either where I am or I, I, I like that. That's where I want to be. And as I look at how I'm a friend to others and my expectations of my friendships of others, if I'm honest with myself, I say sometimes it's, just, it's too much advantage or, or too much pleasure and I'm not looking for that virtuous relationship, healthy relationship more than anything else. Uh, know who's the best at this, of course, is Jesus. You talk about a perfectly virtuous friendship, Jesus. Uh, here's how he shows Jesus that, that he's your best friend. You know how John said, um, this, is, this is more than pen and ink. I got to come face to face. I want to see the broccoli in your teeth. I want to be there, right? Jesus did that. All the Old Testament Bible prophecies, all of the ink that was spilled in the Old Testament from the prophets and the writers and the Psalms, Jesus says, that's not good enough. That's, that's God's word. And it's, it's inspired and it works, but I got to do something more. That's pen and paper and ink. I'm coming down there. The Ten Commandments aren't good enough. The Psalms aren't good enough. The Pentateuch, the laws of Moses aren't good enough. I need to come see you. I need to talk to you. I need to explain experience you and, and be in the moment with you and to see your mouth and I need to see your lips tremble when you repent and confess all the things that you've done wrong. And I need to see your, your lips and your mouth smile when I forgive you. I want to see that and I, wanna, I want you to see me smile too. I need to come visit you. And he did. He came and he was born and he lived here. And then that virtuous friendship, Jesus showed it also by, by dying as our friend. I have two verses here that really promote that. Um, I love this one in Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says, in the past, so this is a New Testament writer talking about the Old Testament. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times and in various ways. But in these last days, now in the New Testament age, he has spoken to us by his son, mouth to mouth, face to face. God has come down. 
and said, if pen and ink isn't good enough for our friendship, I want to give you more. And then for Jesus to say in John 15, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Jesus isn't your friend because he has to be. Jesus isn't your friend because it was declared from eternity that this was his job. It's part of it. But right there, what did he just tell you? Jesus tells you, I want to be your friend. I like you. I like being your friend. You, you didn't choose me here. I'm the one that initiated this relationship. I, I want to. I choose you. When a friend as close as that says those things to you, what do you say back? I want to be your friend too. Thank you, Jesus. I want to choose you too now that you've chosen me. I like you too. I love you, Jesus, so much. Thank you for loving me. I want to show you more and more how much I appreciate our friendship. Jesus, give me the opportunity to do that. <laughs> and he does. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, uh, compared the successful qualities of Facebook. In a speech in June of 2017, he compared the success of Facebook, this was his analogy in the speech, with... Church. Here's what he said. It's striking that for decades, membership in all kinds of groups has declined by as much as one quarter. And we're seeing that from a sociological perspective. Membership, uh, community organizations, civic groups, Boy Scouts, uh, the, the, the community club, right? The, people aren't joiners like we used to be. So membership has decreased. That's a lot of people who now need to find a sense of purpose and support somewhere else. And he went on to say, one of the first places that he thinks of for that sense of purpose and support is the church. And he's right. This place has it going on when we're talking about deep, meaningful, caring friendships. So choose face-to-face -face friends and choose face-to-face -face friends that are chosen by God. I do, by that, I do not mean that God chooses your friends for you. You choose your friends. God doesn't choose your friends. He doesn't choose your spouse. He doesn't choose your church. You choose your spouse. You choose your church. You choose your friends. God can orchestrate that you cross paths with all kinds of people and all kinds of churches and all kinds of potential mates. Great. But when I say choose friends chosen by God, I say choose Christian friends. 
to be in that inner core, the inner 12, the inner 3, the BFF. Choose Christian friends. The affinity is deeper. The truth of God is in play. And God has chosen them by his grace. I'll tell you a story, and then we're done. The story is about friendship, and it illustrates some important things that we've discovered here today in 2 and 3 John. There's a man walking along, walking his merry way, and uh, he, he, he probably should have been paying more attention. Uh, I don't know if it was kind of hidden or not, and uh, boom, he ended up falling down into a hole, a deep hole, a deep, dark hole. And it was out in the middle of what seemed like nowhere, and he was stuck. The hole became very dark and very lonesome. Nobody came to help. And his thoughts began ruminating, and they started from, like, I got to find a way out of here, and then we couldn't find a way out of there. Well, I certainly can, I have to find a way out of here, and he still couldn't find a way out of there, to I need someone to help me out of here. And he heard the sound of footsteps and, and, he, and he saw someone come up to the top of the hole and peer down through the hole and say, hey, down there, I see you're down in the hole. Yes, uh, can you help me out? Uh, no, sorry, I don't know how to get you out. Good luck. Ah, that's, that sense of hopelessness then just multiplied. If no one's going to notice me, and no one's going to help me out of the hole. How can I get out of this hole? I think I might be stuck here. Then he heard footsteps again. And another person came by and looked down into the hole and, and, and saw him down there. And, and the person said, whoa, I see, I see you're in a hole. Yeah. Uh, can you help me out? Boy, I, I don't know. What, what did you do to get in there? What, were, you, were you not paying attention? Did, did you not listen? Did you not follow directions? Were you, were you goofing around to him? You, what did you do to get in there? You better be careful. And off the person went. And, and, the, and the guy in the hole just filled with, that filled him not just with hopelessness, but with shame. I, I did something wrong. I'm, I'm here, and it's my fault. And I can't get out. He hears footsteps again. With not much expectation, he looks up, he sees another person. And before he knows it, that person jumps down into the hole. And he says to the person, I, I was hoping you could help me out. Now we're both stuck in the hole. And the person said, no, we're not stuck. Because I've been in this hole. And I know the way out. There's a couple different scenarios in, that you are in that story. One of them is... It's you in the hole, and Jesus is the one who comes and jumps in, and only he can get you out, and he does. Here's another scenario. Again, you're the one in the hole, but this time, it's not Jesus who comes, but Jesus sends a friend who jumps into the hole, and that friend knows the way out. Here's the third scenario. It's not you in the hole. It's someone who needs you as a friend. And Jesus sends you to be the one to jump down into the hole and to help that person out. All three of those are true in the words of God today.
So be a face-to-face -face friend, a mouth-to-mouth -mouth friend with a limited group of deep, caring friendships, all the while rejoicing in Jesus as your best friend and bringing him along in your friendships to show him to others. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for friends. Thank you for the grace that you give us in our best friend, Jesus. Thank you for his patience with us, for his understanding, his gentleness. Thank you for his power and his might, for him cursing sin for us so that we are not cursed, for him dying on the cross for us so that we do not die eternally, laying down his life as our friend. May we today, Jesus, may we find in you the kind of friendship that we haven't found before and, and experience and appreciate your grace like we haven't before and your loyalty and your love. And when we do, Jesus, make us better friends. Give us the confidence, the commitment, the care that it takes to jump down into the hole with others who are stuck. And Jesus, help us to more appreciate the friends who care for us as well. Make us a caring church, a, a, a church that is, not, that is friendly but filled with friends, eager to reach out to friends who need Jesus and introduce them to you. Work through this all, Lord Jesus, in your word, in our hearts, in our lives, and in this community and church. Amen.